I came across an article this past week that I thought was a little bit interesting, and it's written by a guy by the name of Jack Devine, and he simply calls it word salad. And it begins like this, we humans communicate primarily by language using words that have established meaning. But political thought leaders have learned to sway public opinion on controversial matters by describing them with familiar words used out of context and with different meanings. And he goes on and he talks about, about the words like democracy, terrorism, insurrection, protest and riot, how they've all been twisted over what we have always understood. And then he, he picks up just a couple more, and I'll be a little more specific with them. He says, him and her. These, pronoun, those, these pronouns that connote biological sex and gender are now considered offensive unless specifically okayed by the person in question. And to be on the safe side, we're advised to use they for both, a grammatically incorrect substitution with the subtle implication that biology, common sense, in our own eyes can no longer be trusted. Science. Some folks like to claim that certain policy on climate change and on COVID is following the science and then slam anyone with the temerity to disagree. Now notice this. That's exactly wrong. Science is the never-ending search for truth fueled by constant challenge, and I love how he says this, and layer after layer of questions. But the way science is being put forth to us now, we're not supposed to ask any questions. Just shut up and do what we tell you. Oh, it's an interesting thing. Layer after layer of questions. And then he goes on to mention racism. Well, our important quest to recognize and fight racism in America is regularly undermined by people's proclivity to use racism with a dash of white supremacy as a universal, one-size-fits-all explanation of disparities in economic conditions, COVID outcomes, academic achievement, SAT scores, po police misconduct, etc. And then he says about how these words and the meanings are being changed. He says, it's all babble. Words chosen for their effect, not their accuracy. Call it word salad. Well, we are going to begin a message today that some of you are going to think by the time we're done, well, that was a word salad. That was sure a whole bunch of stuff thrown at us. Because we're going to return to what I referenced last week as the file of the book of Romans. Now I say, it may sound like word salad that we're doing here, but rather than changing meanings, we're going to try and clarify them. In fact, a better way to state it, we might want to be recovering the meanings that we're going to get to today. And within these, these, this bank of words that we're going to look at, um, they create that filet. We're going to hopefully get some understanding as to what Paul is saying in the book of Romans that we can truly grab onto and then hold it for the rest of our discussion on the book of Romans. Now, my goodly wife suggests that I ought to do a little word salading on the word filet. I gave it to you last week, and I referenced that part of the watermelon that is just so sweet and right in the middle, and there's no seeds. And she said, they have no idea why you call it that. Okay, so when we did some missions work in Haiti, 
the people from America, when they purchased meat at the market, the meat's out in the open. It's not refrigerated and nice like you would expect it. It's out in the open. And when you walk by the market, you can see the flies crawling on it. And that's how they, that's how they do it there. So when the Americans would go and get meat from the market, they would always ask for the filet, which is the meat that's cut out of the center and it runs down the length of the meat, and there's no bones in it, and they're asking for that because they know the flies haven't been climbing on that. They have to open it up to get into that. So that's that filet, that great center of meat. Well, we came home, it's back when watermelons really were watermelons, and we love watermelon, and uh, we would buy a nice big watermelon knowing that there's that filet down the middle, that sweet center that's just so refreshing. So, there's a bit of word salad for you. Okay, now you understand why we call it the filet. Well, I'm going to read the filet again, and I like to repeat these so we've heard them over and over and they become more familiar with us. We read this text last week. We're going to come back to it today. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That is that sweet filet. And we can break it down to the fact that Paul is making two sweet, refreshing, I said this last week, life-giving assertions in this filet. First, the righteousness of God is available to us. Secondly, the righteousness of God is unassailable by us. And we'll get to that next week. Now, each of these, throughout the rest of the book, will get explanation, implications, argumentations, applications. It'll all follow. But we have to understand this, this filet, if you will, in order to grasp what, is, uh, what, what Paul is saying in all these other areas. The righteousness of God is available to us. He actually makes four assertions about it. We looked at two of them last week. This is by way of review to get, get us up to speed. Righteousness is not by the law. We called it a without law righteousness of God. We said that the fact that it's without the law does not mean that it's, that it's, it's disjunct from. We claimed it has a, a continuity and a congruity with the law. It fulfills the law. But the righteousness we're talking about isn't something we get by keeping the law. And the second thing we said is that righteousness is through faith. We emphasize through faith in Christ. And it says to all and on all who believe. And this theme of faith is going to get developed further. We're just in the filet. We're just in that sweet spot. And now we're going to pick up the discussion there and we're going to move on on this discussion of righteousness. And the two statements that he's going to make here is Everybody lacks righteousness, and everybody can access righteousness. And here's what we read. Oh, we're gonna let's have a let's have the PowerPoint come up. 
Yeah, let's have that come up. Can we do that? I, I uh, want want you to see this because there are there are five there are five words that we're going to look at in this fillet. This is where it's going to become looking like word salad, and you will see that the first of these is. Sinned, justified, grace, redemption, propitiation. We're going to look at all of those. Because when you read through that passage, you tend to read through it and go, I have no idea what he's saying with all these big words that are here. So we're going to, we're going to uh, start right there and uh, look at each one of those. And the first one that we're going to look at is the question of sinned. For all have sinned. All have sinned. All right. So... Um, it comes from verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do we think that we, do we think that, uh, hey, we've heard, we know what sin is, it goes wrong, but this is a word, this word sin is a word that preachers, when they get here, they love to jump on it. They love to jump on the question of sin because it has a very visual root to this word. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It comes from a word, Hamartano. And the root of Hamartano is an older word. See, we're trying to recover it. It's an older word, which means to miss the mark. And so it's just, it, preachers love it because it's so visual. When we're talking about sin, what are we talking about? We're talking about somebody who missed the mark. And in missing the mark, they did not establish the righteousness that God requires. I heard a, I heard a preacher uh, a little bit ago, I was listening to him online, and I don't know if it's true or not, or if he just kind of was imagining, here's how it's done. But he, um, he said, there, if, suppose there's an archery contest, and the archers are far away from the target, and so the judge on how they're doing, he's up close to the target, he can see what happens, so he has the archer shoot, and if, he, if the archer hits the target, he, he says that he hit it. And if he doesn't hit the target, he yells, Harmatano, you missed the mark, you didn't get it. And so you can see how visual it is. And it's why we as preachers, we want to, uh, we want to share things that, that bring things to life. Well, I got to thinking about that. And I thought, well, whether than talking about some ancient archery contest, I think I'm just going to show you how it works, all right? So I've got this sweet, sweet archery target right here. Okay? And I figured, you know what? I have a dad who... Um, he was good at archery. I got a son. He takes deer and bear with his bow. I should probably be able to do this too and demonstrate this for you guys. Now, I recently came across a picture of my dad, and he was using a longbow. And I thought, that's cool. I think I'll demonstrate it with a longbow. And then we got to Magnum PI this weekend. And there's a really cool scene. If you didn't see Friday Night Show, you ought to see Friday Night Show. Because here he's left in this very dangerous situation where uh, there's like four or five uh, cops who are coming after him who uh, are out to kill him, actually. And uh, they are ones who have gone astray with the law. And so that's why they've got to eliminate him. And he has, uh, he has only thing accessible to him is a guy's got a compound bow. And so he hides himself. He hides himself in the foliage and where he can see the cops, and he starts picking them off one at a time. They don't know where the arrows are coming from because it makes no noise. And so they're shooting their guns anywhere where they're suspecting they're shooting off, and by the time he's done, 
He's taken out all of the bad guys with this bow, and I thought, oh, that was so much cooler than a long bow. So I've got, I've got a compound bow that I'll be working with today. Just want you guys to understand the type of equipment that I use for this demonstration, okay? So, I got it sitting right over here. Here's the bow. Okay, you see it? I got the bow. All right, but I also need to tell you about what we do with arrows. You know, old school was you had arrows that had four fletchings on them, but you can see looking down here, this only has three. See the three fletchings? And that puts them at a certain degree so that you know, when, we, when we put the arrow, we knock the arrow onto the, onto the string, we got to make sure that that one center fletching always is away from the string. Otherwise, it comes across the string when it's releasing, creates all sorts of problems. So we got to get our fletchings in the right order. So here's that. Got my bow, all right? And I got my target, got my sights in. So here we are. You can get it, right? You're following me, Hamartano. Missed the mark. I hope I don't miss. All right, so I get ready. I got this arrow nicely knocked on. Ready, set, fire! And there we are. Okay, there we are. It was nothing, folks. I... It's in the Barrett jeans. My dad, my son, that was a given that that was going to work well. Now, just imagine if I shot that arrow, missed, and it took out all these microphones. You guys would not be laughing. <laughs> you know? You, I, 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 I'm never going to, I will forever have it in my mind that when I shot that arrow and it made it, and I can hear Dan just chuckling away. It's like, oh, yeah, you got it. It's good for you. You wouldn't have been laughing if we missed, and that's the point. You see, that's what Harmatano is in the Bible, is we've tried things and we've missed. And we've missed. And we've missed over and over again. And the Gospel is addressing the fact that we have missed the target time and time again. And it calls those things, with this root word of to miss the mark, it calls those things sin. So that's number one. First step in our word salad. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, some, some of this stuff has been around forever because it really works. We fall short because we miss the mark. We don't reach God's glory. We don't reach His righteous standard. There's uh, the, the type of illustration that is given. Very simple. There's three people. They're going to head off in a swimming contest. One is an Olympic swimmer. The other is an up-and-coming Olympic swimmer from about the seventh grade. And the third one is an 84-year-old woman who exercises regularly in a pool. And their contest to see is who can swim from Maine to England first. So they all start out. Who do you think is going to win? Nobody. Right. Nobody's going to win. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if it's the 
Young kid, up-and-coming Olympian, doesn't matter if it's the present Olympian in the best of physical shape, and it doesn't matter if it's the 84-year-old woman who exercises regularly in a pool. None of them can make England by swimming across the Atlantic Ocean. Nobody is capable of that. Here is what he is saying in verse 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And fall short is actually, this is why we're carrying it into our word, into our word salad, is actually uh, is in the present tense. So all have sinned. We've all done things. And these things that we are doing indicate that we are falling short. Time and time again, we're coming up short on what it is we need to do in order to attain to the righteousness of God. Happens over and over again. So, everybody lacks righteousness. We've missed the mark. We are falling short. It's just our human condition. But, everybody can access righteousness. Verse 24, we go on, says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith. And that brings us to our next word, being justified. What does that mean? How do we find that original meaning in there? And it means to declare righteous comes from the same root, if you, if you go back and look in the original language, comes from the same root as uh, what we would see as what we just translate as righteous and justified. The same root in the, original, in the Greek, okay? Same root. But it means to declare righteous. Being justified. Being declared righteous. And that means to put everything back in order. Put everything back in its proper relationship. So now that we have, we have put back in a proper relationship with God, and perhaps in order to understand it best, would be uh, to just think in terms of you're on your computer, da, 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 all of a sudden things aren't lining up. Okay, what did it, oh, I, somehow I got off on my justification here. So what do I do? I hit right justify. I, that helps me understand better. You could hit left justify, it doesn't matter. But neither one, what happens when you justify, right or left? Everything lines up. It's all back in right relationship to where you wanted it. That's why they call it justifying. It is putting everything back in place. Well, this is what, this is, what is available to us. We are able to be justified, put back in a proper relationship with God, and thereby we are, we, be, we are declared righteous and in a proper relationship with God. And that's, that's, what he's, that's what's happening here, okay? Even talking around these words can get a little tricky sometimes. All right, so being justified freely by His grace, that's a word we use all the time, don't we? And sometimes we have some simple ways of understanding it. I'm trying to give us some simple means to understand what it is that we have. By the way, on any of these words, there are literally thousands of pages written about the one word. Literally, you can find it. I didn't read thousands of pages. But they're all seeking to help us understand what is that core concept that is there? What is this thing that, that was being told to us right here in the file? What is it? So when we're talking about grace, a couple of things that come to mind. You know, somebody has said for years, God riches at Christ's expense. 
And that's true, but it's not quite where we want, I think we want to be. And there's two different things that come to mind, and we'll play one with the other. Number one, grace is unmerited favor. Through, by His grace, His favor, but it's an unmerited favor. It's the same word from which we get gift. It's a gift. God gives this uh, because it's in the sense of it being unmerited. It isn't something we've earned. It isn't something that we have, by the law, deserve. No. God gives it as unmerited favor. And then the other one, it's the same concept, but it comes from a different angle. And that is uh, thinking of His grace as His merciful kindness. Now you might go, unmerited favor, merciful kindness. What's the difference between the two? And the difference has to do with the adjective that's being used. Unmerited favor means we got what we didn't deserve. I didn't deserve this gift of God. This gift of being declared righteous. I didn't deserve that. It's unmerited. We got what we didn't deserve. Merciful kindness. Merciful. That means we didn't get what we did deserve. I did deserve the judgment of God. And I don't get it. It's not going to be layered upon me or upon anybody else who, is, who understands the file and has partake, taken place with it. So grace, God's unmerited favor, His merciful kindness is being, is being demonstrated here, is being poured out, being justified freely by His grace through the, next word, redemption. So I'm saying, we've got to look at this. I know it's word salad, but we've got to look at this. Redemption, what is that all about? If you go back, again, we're recovering the original meetings. You go back to the original root of that, and it has to do with when a slave has his or her freedom purchased. It's the purchase price of freedom for a slave. That's where that root goes down to. So we have been purchased out of slavery. And so I think a good two words that help us understand it is simply it's a ransomed release. A ransomed release. We're, we're taken out of this situation of being under, under sin, under the judgment of sin, having no righteousness. We're taken out of that situation, but there was a payment for it. That's what we need to understand. There was a payment in this redemption. And then, as we continue on, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith. I, I always told myself, nobody uses this word anymore. I never hear this word anywhere. So I know we got to include this in the word salad. And then wouldn't you know about two days ago, some, uh, some guy talking, uh, and I think it was in, as I was listening to stuff about Ukraine, and I think he used the word propitious, which is part of the same word. I thought, well, make a liar out of me then, buddy. Nobody uses that word. But what's that? This is interesting. Again, some of these things, they just like, oh, it helps you understand. It's only been used twice. This word only used twice like this in the New Testament. Here, and in the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer to the Hebrews is describing different things, and he references from the Holy of Holies, he references the cherubim of glory 
overshadowing, this is at the Ark of the Covenant, right? The cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. And the word mercy seat is the same word we have here as propitiation. Well, that begins to help you to put some visual to it. That says, remember the mercy seat? Remember that's where the priest came and poured the blood? And that's where their sins were covered at the mercy seat? He says, God has offered a propitiation. He's offered something similar to a mercy seat. What I would like us to think about, a good way to look at it is two things that come to mind. Number one, if the mercy seat in Hebrews is the place of forgiveness, that's they were, you've got to pour that blood right there. If that's the place of forgiveness, here it's the means of forgiveness. It's how we are forgiven through Christ's blood that was given for us. As it says, whom God set forth as a propitiation, a means of forgiveness by His blood. And another word that has helped me through the years is simply the word satisfaction. God found satisfaction in the fact that Christ died for me. God said He was satisfied that the penalty due me was paid by Christ. So the word satisfaction, this just helps me understand what is going on there. So, having gone through that, and I know it's hard to go through that, actually I originally had eight words to do, and I said, no, you've got to limit this at five. People are going to just, you know, they're going to be walking out before you're done. What I'd like to just suggest is now we've been through five words. Let's toss this salad. Let's pull it all together. And I'd like to do it simply by, and you can do this on your own anytime you want now, so hopefully you've been taking notes and you can fill this in anytime you say, oh, man, I'm not going to lose these notes. Can help me understand these few verses. How about if we read it this way? For all have missed the mark and are falling short of attaining to God's glory, being declared righteous freely by His merciful kindness through the ransomed release that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a satisfactory means of forgiveness by His blood through faith. I find when I get to that passage, I've got to keep replacing some of these words in my mind so I can understand, yeah, what again, what are we saying here? And that's just a way to do that. Take those words that you've, if you've taken notes, take those words, in the word salad, and then just put them right into the verses, and maybe that'll help you understand a little bit more. It helps me. All right. This explains, here's what we need to note. This explains why faith in Jesus Christ is specific. Remember last week, I really hit this home through faith in Christ, through faith in Christ. It wasn't faith in God. It wasn't faith in, in, uh, in a baptism. It wasn't faith in a prayer. It was faith in Christ. It is so specific. <clears throat> because there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. This is the one whom God has set forth on our behalf. This is what God has revealed. He has revealed Christ as the one. That's, we saw that early on in Romans chapter 1. And Paul wrote about the, 
the righteousness of God being revealed. And, and this is what is happening. He is showing this. Christ's death. Hear this now. Christ's death is what God has provided for the problem of our sin when we miss the mark. Christ's death is the solution to that. It's not that, friends, everything you ever did and everything I ever did missed the mark. Not every single thing. When we stand in judgment before God, He's not going to look at go through every single moment in our life we were failing. No. But, we all know we've missed the mark enough times. And that keeps us from meeting God's standard. It separates us from Him. And Christ's death is the answer to that problem. Because we've all missed the mark at some time. And we try and make excuses for ourselves and try and paint ourselves out as, oh, not, not quite so bad. I'm not, I'm not all that bad. as like, listen, buddy, you didn't hit the bullseye every time like Barrett did. No. Here's something else we need to consider, friends, because it speaks to that. No man-made system resolves the shortcoming of our sin. No man-made system resolves the shortcoming of our sin. Only what God has revealed in Jesus Christ has a solution. What do I mean by a man-made system? They're all around us. They're world philosophies. You know, some of the big ones that we might know are things like uh, uh, reincarnation. You keep coming back until you finally get it right. And not the thing. That doesn't, it isn't how the problem of sin is solved. Karma. You get what's coming to you. Not the thing. We took it to task pretty hard last week. Any system that says, hey, it works out this way. You do good. You got favor in God's sight. You do bad. Oh, things aren't so good. You got to make sure that the good outweighs the bad. Then you'll be fine. Forget it. The problem is, you still got the bad. And the Gospel is addressing the bad. It's not addressing the good. We've all got this thing called sin. We've all missed the mark. And that's what the Gospel is addressing. And no man-made system can solve the problem. In fact, this is why I... This is just for me personally. Why I've come to believe the Bible is true. Because this message that God gives grace, unmerited favor to sinners like me is not something any human would come up with. Because as humans, dude, you messed up, you are going to pay the price. That's how it is. And God says, you messed up, but I'm providing Christ to pay the price if you will receive it. If you will receive it. And that's why we are naming this new section, friends. Remember what we call the last section? Everybody's got stuff. But that's what makes this so much more fun because God's got grace. Unmerited favor. Merciful kindness towards us that solves the problem of our stuff. And we need that grace that God has. And I'm going to finish with this. If we grasp this, what we're saying here about this filet, this sweet center of the entire Gospel, I believe of the entire Bible, 
if we grasp this, then we can say with all confidence, as he said in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. There is no reason to bear any shame, any embarrassment, any reticence about declaring that your faith and your belief is in Jesus Christ. Because He is the solution that God has set forth. I found myself as I was thinking those things, I thought maybe because God is moving in His church. The church wasn't sure what to do over the last couple of years. We've been a little bit insecure, not knowing how to handle things going on with the, with the, um, uh, with a, with a pandemic. But I'm just sensing it, and others are, un, others are feeling it. It's internal. I have to believe it's of the Spirit. It's time to move forward. Enough of the insecurities. It's time to move forward. It's time to go on with our message of hope in Jesus Christ, our message of grace, the only point of forgiveness. And I found myself thinking, you know what we're ready for now? We just had it demonstrated for us. We're ready for some Snake Island determination. You hear the story about Snake Island coming out of Ukraine? Any of you? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. So the Russians are coming, and there are these guys holding up on Snake Island, and um, the Russians gave them an opportunity to lay down their arms. Will you lay down your arms, and uh, will you just you know, not put up a fight? And their answer was very simple. Let's go, Brandon. And they all died. They fired a rocket, took them all out. said, no, we're not going to give in. We're not going to just lay down because you're here. We need some Snake Island determination about what we stand for in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we need not be afraid or ashamed of anybody who speaks against it. May God give us a new generation, a new season of boldness to serve Him as we watch. Watch Russia on the move as we know the latter times are coming. And we need to be a voice for the gospel. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here today. Lord, I know that this kind of message, this word salad, can be difficult to follow. But I pray that by your Spirit, you will bring clarity to us and help us understand this most wonderful passage of Scripture and understand that it has to be central to our thinking, Lord. And give us the courage that we need to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, to make Him known without fear, without embarrassment, Lord. We ask You to do that change in us as You enlighten for us, as this body of believers, as You enlighten for us the days ahead, how You want us to bring this message to a world in darkness. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.